0: I'm informed by research showing that when brown and black people get into college, they struggle. A lot of these universities, if they get a certain percentage of brown and black folk, that's a win in their book. That ain't no fucking win in my book. (laughs) The win is them graduating is them successfully completing their degree. So it's kind of tricky to think about the fact that we're through affirmative action using racial discrimination to alleviate the consequences of racial discrimination that have happened in the past. There's a greater representation of people who historically have not gone to college, now in college. (laughs) Degrees, very successful careers. So I think that much progress has been made. I even wonder if the justices at the Supreme Court had that in their thinking process. Of, you know, that we've we've known that this is racial discrimination at its core, and if we give it enough time, we can rectify that law, make it more consistent with the Constitution and its amendments. All
1: right, guys, welcome to Hitting Licks. We're back at it again. We've got the masks on, the shiesties on, as always, because... Uh, We are not big names by any means, and we want to have open, honest, and hopefully entertaining discussions um, that may end up pissing a lot of people off, and we both have professional jobs, so we can't really risk uh, getting doxxed or (laughs) losing our livelihood at this point in the game, so that's why we got these on. Um, Thank you guys for joining. Got anything else to add to that one?
0: TLDR... Hating ass motherfuckers do not want you to talk about certain shit. That means you got to talk about it even more. So here we are.
1: We're we're here to piss off all the crybabies.
0: Lefties, righties. If you're an extremist, we're coming after
1: you. (laughs) That's the target audience.
0: Look, if you love watching things that get you emotionally activated, watch us because we're going to piss you off.
1: Also, share with your homies that you love to piss off because th- this is going to be a great way to do that.
0: Smash the guts out of the like button.
1: <laughs> All up in the guts.
0: <laughs> All right, let's run it. So, topic this week is what's going on with the admissions affirmative action at UNC, at Harvard. There was. Mm-hmm. A Supreme Court ruling that came down here in the past week, um, essentially outlining race-based differential treatment for people who are brown and black in terms of getting admitted to these universities. And the Supreme Court came down and said, you know what? Um Racial discrimination is actually against the law. So we're gonna we're gonna undo that. We're gonna take away affirmative action. So that's a big development. People have strong feelings about that on the left, on the right.
1: To lay the playing field for the rest of the conversation, how would you characterize the argument on the right against these affirmative action policies? And then the argument on the left in favor of these affirmative action policies.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll start on the left in favor of these policies. I mean, you got to be living under a rock to not know how the United States started. There's a history of genocide. There's a history of enslavement. And all those pieces in terms of resources and free labor allowed our country the U.S. to compete with Britain, to compete with other countries at the time that it originated. So at its core, the genocide and enslavement process actually allowed this country to come into fruition. In many ways, it was built on the backs of slaves and natives to America. I know, I know if you're right, you're about to scream and cry and all that good stuff, but it's just a matter of fact. This is how we competed from a business standpoint. That's just the truth. It's the reality of it.
1: It was like outsourcing call centers to like India or someplace essentially more affordable so companies can be more competitive and offer more services. That, that was yeah. the outsourcing back in the day, except we just brought them in.
0: And the outsourcing was completely free. You weren't <laughs> yeah. paying anybody anything. <laughs> Um, In fact, you were valuing those people as property in and of itself. Legally
1: classified as property.
0: Legally an object. Mm -hmm. Um, But that aside, you think of um, all the generations of people who have had to endure the aftermath of such lack of resources. It's put certain groups in a position where they grow up in communities that have more poverty, lack educational resources, lack social resources, lack economic resources. That's a recipe for um, increased crime, uh, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and to a large extent, uh, a cap on what people are able to do. Now, that's not to say it's it's a ultimate cap where you can't move beyond mm-hmm. that. But there are certain barriers or uh, forces kind of pushing you down when you belong to certain
1: groups. Pushing you down and you're already starting from a deficit.
0: You're starting from a deficit and you're being pushed down. So in many ways, you got to work way harder, Mm -hmm. way smarter to get to the positions that a lot of people are born into. By mm-hmm. virtue of the family that they're in, and the Legacies. positions in society, that that's the legacy, right? So contrast the, this idea of diversity with this idea of legacy, um, and that's meant to be like a income distribution type of construct. Um, we're not necessarily saying anything about race, though there is a correlation with race. We're we're really honing in on the aspect that has to do with economic prosperity and opportunity. So, you know, you think of all the generations of just barrier after barrier after obstacle after obstacle for certain groups to be able to advance and move up the social ladder. Affirmative action was a policy meant to help people from certain groups get admitted into college. So when you're born into communities that don't have the best schools, don't have the best teachers, don't have a lot of childcare around. That makes it way harder to get into a college because you're not prepared along the way. You're not set up to have a good GPA, to have good SATs, to have good ACTs. How the fuck are you going to afford a tutor to help you when you can barely even feed yourself Mm -hmm. and your children? So, you grow up in these environments; it makes it even harder to be successful. Affirmative action was meant to increase the odds that people for certain groups could get admitted into college, and so a part of that, it primarily meant that race was a, was considered a important variable when reviewing applications for a college. And if you look at some of the stats, um, it's done exactly that. It really has helped a lot of people get admitted into college where they would have a lot of difficulty beforehand getting mm-hmm. into it.
1: I think that's probably a good place to now start talking about what the right has to say about that yeah, and some of the controversy it's stirred on that side of the political spectrum.
0: Definitely. So I think when you look at it from the right side, it is pretty clear that there is differential treatment based off race and differential treatment based off race in the sense that it's favorable to be brown and black and it's disfavorable to be white or Asian. Mm -hmm. You have to do even better as an Asian or a white person. You have to be even higher in the percentile to have a shot. Whereas with brown and black individuals, you can be way lower on the percentile and still be admitted as if you are a higher ranking member of the other groups.
1: I think a lot of people on the right have the w- would agree with the I- idea that, given what you just said, like to be brown or black means you can kind of just scoot by and you'll get through the door. But if you're white or Asian, you've got to... Run, jump through all these hurdles, and pole vault your way through the entrance doors.
0: Yeah, I think to a lot of people on the right, they perceive it as, why are certain people getting an easier route and other people are getting a harder route? And it's based off of a superficial characteristic like race. Mm-hmm. Superficial in the sense that you can easily observe it. It's on the surface level. Um and that it's not really based on merit. I think that is the big thing that ekes at a lot of the people on the right is they think that the world is entirely run on a meritocracy. And merit is an important construct. I think mm-hmm. the research would lay out that having a sense of goals and pursuing those goals makes you a healthier person mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the world is just based off of merit. And it goes back to this idea of legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these people who are who are white, let's say, who don't get admitted to a high-ranking university but have high GPAs, have a ton of experiences under the belt, maybe they've already done internships, things of that nature, they're born into those opportunities, To a large extent. They grow up in the suburbs where they have great schools, they have great teachers, they have after-school care, child care, nannies, tutors, so many resources at their disposal to help them become great and have a chance of being successful. And a big part of that is first getting admitted to a high-ranking school because- if you're born into a prestigious family, a wealthy family, you got to go to one of these high-ranking schools. I mean, it's a matter of status. It's a matter of power. It's a matter of reputation. And so places will do just about anything because that—that that is the merit part of getting admitted when you're uh, a wealthy white person. A legacy say. part. If you're a legacy person, to be more specific. Um, but it's not even necessarily merit because, again, you're born into those resources. You have right. accessibility to them. But people go further than that. If you got a dumbass legacy kid and you got to get him into school, you're going to pull some strings. You're going to make some donations. You're going to go talk to this person. It's a
1: bad go- look when you got a dumb kid.
0: If you wealthy and you got a dumb kid, man, go watch Succession if you haven't. I'll tell you everything you need to know.
1: That's like uh, that's like the equivalent of always being picked last for dodgeball because you just can't throw the ball. Like you're gonna get picked on in in your legacy neighborhood. Yeah. All the dodgeballs targeted at your head because you got a dumb kid. Like what's wrong with them? Why can't they get it together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they get it together? Let's just buy their life. Did you hear what the Jones said about our kid last week? I overheard him. Yeah, we got to talk to the directors. (laughs) Yo, I already got a million. We're going to send it. We're going to hit the full send on the million. We're going to get him in. Don't worry. We're going to take care of him. And then meanwhile, that kid's doing whatever that kid is doing. Maybe he's just playing video games. Maybe he's doing cocaine in the parents' basement. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah,
0: yeah. And at this point, we're talking about averages. Mm-hmm. On averages. average, these are the relationships. Obviously, there's nuance and outliers, and this person didn't do that, yeah, et cetera. Um, so it's kind of tricky to think about the fact that we're uh, through affirmative action using racial discrimination right now to alleviate the consequences of racial discrimination that have happened in the past.
1: We're trying to hit it with inverse discrimination, trying to reverse the polarity of discrimination where at one point it was meant to hinder. Now it's meant to elevate before it, it was discrimination. It's keeping you in the mud. People came along and said, well, What if we utilize discrimination to try and get people out the mud?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly that.
1: And so now we've got a court ruling that may very well set a new precedent. Countrywide, a countrywide precedent. Um, But Dr. PhD, you work in academia. I think you're in a better position to talk about perhaps the long-term consequences that people might not see on the surface, people that might be removed from academia don't fully understand what it takes to even get enrolled into perhaps not college. I think a lot of people have gone to college, but I don't think as many have gone to grad school or into a PhD program. I think you're in a better position to talk about how this ruling might affect that. And then also, um, you, earlier in the week, we were talking about how affirmative action doesn't necessarily mean that we have to make enrollment easier for people, that once you get to the door and you apply, it's just suddenly easier for you, that it could look different. And I would really like to hear your take on those things. Yeah.
0: It's hard to say what the aftermath of barring affirmative action will do. Um in some ways and in other ways it's not that hard to to see. You look at the Cal schools, you know, California, University of California. They barred affirmative action decades ago. I and mean, they got a ton of Latino, Hispanic, black, mhm people in those universities so i don't think that universities need to rely on affirmative action in order to increase representation Mm -hmm. Um, sure it's nice to have a law stating that this is in your favor and you don't have to worry about the legal aspects of deciding to enact race-based preferences Mm -hmm. that all to say um after decades of it being in place Mm -hmm. across the nation, I think a lot of the work has been done. Mm -hmm. There's a greater representation of people who historically have not gone to college, now in college, Mm -hmm. degrees, um, very successful careers. So I think that to a large extent, much progress has been made, um, and I even wonder if the justices at the Supreme Court had that in their thinking process of, you know, that we've we known that this is racial discrimination at its core, and if we give it enough time, we can rectify that law, make it more consistent with the Constitution and its amendments, and still have made progress to alleviate the discrimination historically
1: that's occurred in the U.S., That's an interesting take that the Supreme Court justice would kind of look at the playing field and say, you know what? Affirmative action has already had many victories. There have been battles that have been won. Perhaps the war isn't over, but perhaps at this phase of the war that we're in, so to speak, perhaps at this phase in the battle, we don't need affirmative action as it currently stands. And perhaps we can rectify this to make it more consistent with the constitution. That that's an interesting thought that I haven't heard anyone profess before.
0: Speculation. I don't know any of the justices personally, right? It's not hard to fathom that, um, people in that position are thinking about legislation from very long-term perspectives. Um, I, I'm thinking about, uh, the fact that affirmative action to a large extent has been focused on the admissions process, getting people in to college when they otherwise would have a harder time. Um, because it doesn't have to be that way necessarily. I, the, uh, I'm informed by research showing that, when brown and black people get into college they struggle at rates higher than other groups it's not because they're dumber Mm -hmm. it's because they're not as prepared right and so from one perspective it, it seems sort of uh messed up to put people in a position where they're admitted to college But they're not necessarily prepared or equipped with the skills and knowledge to navigate it effectively.
1: That is really interesting to consider because I think if this were like a military and you were to allow someone to enroll in the military, but then you just sent them into war and into battle with no training or very little training or training that just prepared them very ill for the conditions of that battle, we would, I think everyone would point the finger and be like, what the hell are we doing? Well, why did you not prepare this person better for the environment that you allowed them to go into? Yeah. And so what would you say are, would be some more effective ways to prepare brown and black people and people of color um, for college that maybe wouldn't look like simply making enrollment easier because you had some really interesting ideas on that. Yeah. Um, I think the, the name of the game is
0: resources, Mm -hmm. particularly when people are younger. So that could be in the form of, of teachers, of, different courses, child care, after-school care, tutoring, different ways to make sure that students are more equipped to handle it once they get there. I think it's, it's a really tough thing when you um, have been working your butt off to get into college, and then you get there. You might have been taking AP classes in high school, mm-hmm. and then college comes around, and the workload is, is different. Mm-hmm. You don't have the funds of knowledge to navigate all the intricacies from how to navigate on campus to how to access certain resources to um, how to build out a network. Mm-hmm. So I think focusing on knowledge and skills development younger would allow people to increase their odds of getting admitted to a college and not just being admitted, but actually persevering and being successful in terms of graduation. I I don't think it's a win to A lot of these universities, their metric is based off of the representation of the incoming class. So if they get a certain percentage of brown and black folk, that's a win in their book. That ain't no fucking win in my book. (laughs) The win is them graduating, is them Mm -hmm. successfully completing their degree. That should be the outcome that we're focused on. Not getting people in the door, but making sure once they're in, that they're able to succeed, to do it well.
1: Well said. And to that, I would add, I think something we should add to that metric is how many people are graduating and then how many people get a job that allows them to pay off the degree that they earned, assuming that, you know, they've taken on some sort of debt. And obviously if they have scholarships, then that that's great because, you know, that's part of the success. Like, but as you're saying, if your university and you're like wow our diversity and inclusion numbers are you know 10% above what the government said that they wanted us to have them at we did it we won mm-hmm. but then your students don't go on to graduate and even worse they drop out and then have debt then not only was that not a win for them but that could be a major loss Yeah,
0: I think you're speaking to a very important point. And thus far, we've been framing the question about college, getting into it, doing well, the lead up to it. Uh, College doesn't have to be the only place where brown and black people go. (laughs) Yes. I think it's a really clever ploy Mm. by the board of regents at all these universities and the executives of all these universities to try to get more and more people to enroll in their college so they can charge them money and make boatloads of money. And a lot of people are in positions where they can't pay back after they graduate. Mm-hmm. Maybe your dumbass got a music degree right, or art degree. Now, I'm not saying you're dumb because you're pursuing your passion. That's great. But then you gotta pay off these loans and you're stuck in a terrible position because you're not gonna find a job that allows you to do that.
1: And perhaps because when pursuing your passion, you thought about how you were going to pursue your passion, but perhaps not didn't think far enough ahead about how you're going to monetize that, basically, about how that's going to pay itself off later.
0: Yeah. And so you, you think of alternative routes altogether. What if affirmative action wasn't about getting people admitted to four-year universities, but it was about making sure that people enrolled and completed a, a trade school, right? A trade school, you equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to do a job where you're making easily hundred K Mm-hmm. mechanic, electrician, etc. you have no debt virtually because it's not even close to the same cost. Mm-hmm. And you can still get grants or help from uh, the federal government in terms of loans. But if you were to funnel people into that instead, I think that would have been another way to generate more representation in terms of, Uh, helping people from historically marginalized groups gain jobs that help them move themselves up the social ladder and their families up the social ladder.
1: And now we have a workforce that's more diverse and inclusive. And also what I really like about that is the turnaround time on a trade job and and training in a trade school Mm -hmm. is usually much shorter to my knowledge, than a four-year degree. So now you don't have to wait four years and pay boatloads of money to finally start making it back. I think a lot of time in trade school, before you're even done, you're already doing some work. So Mm -hmm. you're generating money to pay off your education while you're still enrolled in your program. That seems like it, it makes, in some ways, even more sense to pursue Um, depending on what your passions and interests are.
0: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens Mm -hmm. from here. I think that universities still have a big investment in increasing the representation Mm -hmm. of people across the income distribution. I think our country does too. Mm-hmm. Our our country benefits when more people have higher incomes and are able to spend more. This is a, a upward positive cycle where you can get more and more people involved, especially from the lower income part of the distribution, that increases economic output, it increases GDP. It allows us as a nation to pay off our debt and invest in future generations. So yeah, I, I think universities are still gonna want that level of representation. And mm-hmm. I hope that to some extent that there's also a focus on helping people once they're in college mm-hmm. to be successful and persevere or avoid college altogether. If yeah you can go into a trade school that allows you to develop some skill that generates revenue. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a great thing that our country could do. Yeah. Big win. Big win. Big dubs.
1: Big dubs. So I think we covered a lot of ground here. Um I think that was a pretty good way to wrap it up too. Do you have any final message for the crybabies on the left and the crybabies on the right? <laughs> Uh
0: I, I think just challenge yourself, challenge yourself to, to try to see the other side. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to think there's a lot of merit to it. You don't have to think there's a lot of legacy to it. Um, if you can at least understand what the other side is saying, I think that's an important step for all of us to come up with a solution that works for most people because, If we're not talking about this shit, we're not going to come up with any ways to solve the problems. And we got big problems. We got to solve them. So we got to talk.
1: I like that. I like the idea of nuance, having a nuanced conversation with someone that you disagree with and trying to make an effort to hear where they are coming from instead of they say one sentence that you disagree with. Mm -hmm. You make a lot of assumptions about what they believe and then you just call them stupid. I think that the ability to have a nuanced conversation like you just called for is something that we did more frequently in this country before, and it was to our benefit. I feel it's something we do less and less now, and it's very much to our detriment.
0: Yeah, well said, well said so that's what the second episode of Hit and licks if you like our shit smash the guts out of the like button again share it with people that you want to piss off uh, if you want us to talk about anything in particular leave it in the comments
1: yeah yeah if uh and and like we just said nuanced conversations uh some of this stuff might piss some people off but if you've got a good friend and someone that's not just gonna give you the finger because you said something they don't like it could be a good way to uh, have one of those nuanced conversations appreciate you guys